0: All right, today we're going to talk about the dangers of drifting. Has anybody ever drifted somewhere? If you deny drifting, you're just not aware. We've all drifted. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to read it out of the message. The message is a, it's really a fun. Easy way to understand what the scripture has for you. It's not a, it's not a deep study tool, but it's a great understanding tool. And um, so I'm going to read it from, from the message. It says, it's crucial that we keep a firm grip on what we've heard so that we don't drift off. Drifting, huh? If the old message delivered by the angels was valid and nobody got away with anything, do you think we can risk neglecting this latest message, this magnificent salvation? First of all, it was delivered in person by the Master, then accurately passed on to us by those who heard it from Him. All the while, God was validating it with gifts through the Holy Spirit all sorts of signs and miracles as he saw fit. This is a warning for us to pay attention. Pay attention to our spiritual walk. Pay attention to our relationship with Christ. This is, it's, it's, a, it, it's, it's there for us. Several years ago, A couple was on vacation. They were floating in the ocean on those inflatable rafts. Hopefully they had the good sturdy ones. I don't know. The husband decided to head into the shore, but his wife wanted to stay out on the raft. She wanted to continue catching those wonderful sun rays. And after a short time, the woman lost herself in just floating along out there on the raft. And what the woman failed to realize is that she was slowly drifting out to sea. And as she simply relaxed and let that gentle current, that soothing current, take her, it kept on going. Her situation was becoming more and more dangerous. And by the time that she noticed what was happening to her, it was almost too late. She saw that the shore was, was much further away than, than she expected, and she began to panic. Would you not panic if you were out there on a raft and that seashore looked like just a thin line? I would. Fortunately, there were lifeguards that were able to rescue her, but the whole situation... It created, It was created just by being careless, just not by paying attention, just drifting. How many people today are just floating or coasting along in their spiritual walk? How many of us are, are simply being careless with our spiritual life? Hebrews 2.1 gives us a a specific warning of of just this type of spiritual situation. We We are challenged to pay more attention, more careful attention to what we have heard. And I can tell you looking around this room, we have heard the word. We have heard the word. We know the truth. If we're not more careful... We're going to drift. And when we drift, we're going to drift away. How many of us are, are simply being careless? Is this the message? I love how it, and the reason I went there is because I, I love the picture that it brings when it says we need to keep a firm grip on what we've heard. Other versions say careful attention. Attention. Firm grip, man, that's a a physical. I got my hand on it, and I got to squeeze tight and hold tight. How many Christians have drifted their way to to a loss of their faith? How, how, How many here today are not where they need to be in their walk with Christ? Well, I know, I'm getting personal real quick today, aren't I? That's okay. That's what this time is for. Has there ever been a time in your life when, when you were more dedicated to Christ? You go, oh, yeah. Has there ever been a time when you were closer to Jesus than you are right now? Have you ever been more surrendered in your life than you are at this moment? Has there ever been a time where you were more committed to living for Christ than you are right now? If you answer yes to any of those questions, you're drifting. You're in the process of drifting. And if your relationship with Christ is is not where it once was, or or if it's not where it should be, you're drifting. Why why do so many people drift? Is 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 it because... We only seek comfort in our walk with Christ. We just want to be comfortable. I just want to get to that point where it's, I'm okay. I know I'm going to go to heaven. I'm okay. I'm comfortable with that, Pastor. That's all I want. I don't want to step any further. I just want that comfort level. And yes, you're curling your toes back right now because I'm stomping pretty hard. I understand that. How many of us figure we're just doing better than the other guys, so we're okay? Ouch. There are several reasons that people may drift, and this morning I want to take a look at, and and in my notes it says five causes, and in your notes it says five causes, and I'm sorry, Jesus was talking to me this morning. I'm not sorry about that, but in the shower he's going like, hey, here's another one. (laughs) Thanks, God. <laughs> so here's scribbles in my notes, and I'm just having a great time. Pay attention to that first line? Yes. Anything that's underlined up there should be written in. This is a warning for us to pay attention. That is on your notes. I'm sorry. Write that in. And by the way, anybody who likes to fill in a blank, this is your day. Look at the blanks on that paper. I got tons of them. <laughs> now, if I can just keep you on that task. <clears throat> Dee's gonna help me with that. Okay. Thank you, D. Wanted to make sure it was the right thing. Uh there's yeah, there's many people, many reasons that people drift. I, I want to take a look at six of them this morning. And and the, and the purpose in looking at these causes is not. Well, The reason is is that I want to assist us in correcting the course as well as protecting us from from that drifting happening to us in the future. Okay, That's the reason we're looking at this. It's, It's not to say, oh, we're so bad. It's to look at it and say, okay, let's learn from this process. The first one is depth or lack thereof. Matthew chapter 13, verses 5 and 6, and then 20, 21. And in the parable of the the four kinds of soil, that's that's where these verses are found, and the four kinds of of hearers of Jesus' teaching. it, it, It teaches us about this cause of drifting. Matthew 13, 5 and 6. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. And they immediately sprang up before, and this is talking about seeds, this isn't talking about people, yet. Sprang up because they had no depth of earth, but when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. This is the time of year in this part of our world that those things are springing up in the cracks of the sidewalk and everywhere else, right? Right? getting a little extra moisture, getting a little extra care, getting that dirt that gets washed in there for a minute. And all of a sudden you got weeds growing where you're going like, how is it growing? But what's going to happen when the sun comes out and really hits it hot and hard? It's going to wither up. It's going to die away. And then in verses 20 and 21, which is where he's really talking to, about us, he says, but he who, had, who, who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yeah, that's cool. And yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Any stumblers in here this morning? Do do you listen to to good meaty sermons? We, We get a lot of those around here. Doug's run off taking care of business, I'm sure. We get a lot of good, meaty sermons, and and we get real excited. And and how many of us, within just a few days, we're back to the same old thing? You're drifting. That's what's going on. You're drifting. And those who settle for a a shallow relationship with Christ and, 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 and don't have that depth within themselves... They're going to find that they're going to never have the depth to make it through the really rough spots in life. And the rough spots are coming. Everybody gets them. In general, I, as I evaluated it, it appears to me that the church of today has the spiritual depth of a mud puddle. Not very big, not very deep. So, so many people today think that it's just fine to have that kind of spiritual life, but in reality, that's far from what Jesus expected of his disciples. I want to do what Jesus expected, not what just the common person says, oh, that's okay. You can do that, that's good enough. And this lack of spiritual depth is going to lead to nothing but a withered and dead spiritual life. I don't want that. I don't believe you do either. Let's go on to number two. Number two in your blanks there. Denial. Mark 14, 10 through 11. This is Jesus' final moments. This is In the garden, this is Judas Iscariot, and this is what it says. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to pray to betray Jesus to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he sought how he might conveniently betray him. He denied Jesus, didn't he? He denied the sovereignty. He denied the reality of who Jesus is. And people, I know, there there will be times in our lives when we also deny Jesus. I'm not proud of mine. There's times I've done it. Even Peter denied Jesus three times in one night. Peter, who walked with him and ate with him and And for whatever reason, if, if you're honest with yourself, we've all done it, whether it was simply doing something that you know was displeasing to Christ or, or whether it was a snap decision to save yourself that, that momentary discomfort. Well, I don't want them to think bad of me. They're going to think that I'm just one of those silly Christians. I am. <laughs> And maybe for you it was a time when you were supposed to speak up and you didn't or when you didn't follow the the, the will that Christ wanted for your life. It could be big things. It could be small things. We have all been faced with things in our life and too often we have not chosen to do what we know Christ wants us to do. There have been times when we have all chosen the easier path. We've, we've sold out on Jesus, haven't we? We've denied him in our own lives. And we're not proud of it. But it's a reality. It's a drifting away from him. Oh, I already got three up there. You guys already have it scribbled in. Difficulties. See, I'm going to keep on punching this thing. It's working this time, though, at least. It's working. (laughs) Difficulties. 1 Samuel 17, 3 through 11. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side. You know where we're at? They're about ready to go to battle, aren't they? This is war. There's a valley between them, and 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 a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. How tall is six cubits in a span? Ah, you know, it tells me, I did some research, thank you Google, one cubit is between 17 and 22 inches. It's it's the length of an adult forearm measured from the tip of the middle finger to the elbow. So (laughs) we have different lengths of arms, so... It's 15 to, or 17 to 22 inches, and, and, and uh, a, a span is about 9 inches because it's, when you stretch the hand way out, it's from tip to tip. And again, it's not going to be exact because some people have bigger hands than others. But that's the measuring that they did back then, so that's what we have to go with. So you you do all the addition and subtraction and multiplication and all those things you got to do in this. Six cubits plus one span is somewhere between 111 inches to 141 inches. So it's somewhere between 9 feet 3 inches and 11 feet 9 inches. That's a big boy. I don't think I have ever... Thank you. I got my hanky now. (laughs) It's warm and I sweat easy, so thank you. And so here's this this monster of a guy that's somewhere between 9 feet and 12 feet tall and he had a bronze helmet on his head and he was armed with a coat of mail and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. That's approximately 125 pounds. That's just his coat of chainmail. 125 pounds. Anybody want to wear that all day? I don't want to wear it for five minutes. And he had bronze armor on his legs and bronze javelin between his shoulders. That's what it says. And now the staff of his spear was like a, a, a weaver's beam and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. That's about 14 and a half pounds, just the head of this spear. And, and a, a shield bearer went before him. I thought, that dude had to be strong to carry all this guy's stuff. And then he stood and he cried out to the armies of Israel and he said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man from among yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. Well, that's a pretty good deal. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. Well, wait a minute. I don't like that part of the deal. And the Philistines said, I I, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give a man, give me a man that we may fight together. And how did Saul and all the army react? Yeah. They were dismayed and greatly afraid. And I step back from that and I say, you know, I'm glad I wasn't there. And part of the reason I'm glad I wasn't there is because I can identify with that, that fear. I can identify with this monster of a person saying, hey, you come, you come kill me and your people get what you want. But if I kill you, we get to rule over you. Okay, Dude. Um, you could squash me under your thumb like a bug so I can identify not once did this Philistine come and make this threat to Israel not just once but 40 days in a row I don't think I'd even want to line up to listen to him anymore (laughs) would you? No. Did their reaction change any time during that 40 days? No. No. They were afraid. They were dismayed. (laughs) Look at that monster. Yeah, he was a monster. And the soldiers and leaders of Israel continued to to stay in that that condition of being dismayed and afraid. It wasn't until David showed showed up. It wasn't until this, this little shepherd boy came and he met the difficult challenge head on just like God intended. God intended for his people to win the battle. If God intends for you to win the battle, will not God provide that you do win the battle? He will. But here's the whole army. <laughs> here's King David. <laughs> People, when life gets tough and we discover, it's, it's then that we discover the metal of our life. Metal meaning that, that strength, that uh, the reality of, of God's power in our lives. You've been through some tough stuff? Good. That's where you find out what you're made of. That's where you find out if your faith is what God has called your faith to be. It's only when... We hold strong to our relationship with Christ that He in turn holds strong to us. You want Him there to protect you? Hold on to Him. Trust Him. And when we come through trials and difficulties with Christ by our side, we're going to find that the spiritual strength that we so desperately needed, He will provide it. Go on to the fourth. Deception. Anybody ever been deceived around here? Doing some of the work that I've done over the last 12 years, I've met a lot of people who were deceived. I've met a lot of people who tried to deceive. Galatians 1, 6 through 6-9, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are returning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, That would be Christ. Let them be under God's curse. Sometimes, people, we are swayed to follow a doctrine that is false or unscriptural. Sounds good. I kind of like that doctrine. I'll follow that one. I'll hold on to that one. There's times when when people drift in their relationship with God because others have deceived them into believing that doctrine. And it's vital for us to continually measure and to test the opinions about God and Jesus with what? With Scripture. That's the test. You see, if your beliefs do not match the Bible, you are in the wrong period. I see a lot of nodding heads. Yeah, I think we we understand that one. Number 5 division. Oh. Not in the church. Galatians 2 <laughs> 11 and 12 when Cephas. Now what's 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 yeah, I just gave it away. What's what's Cephas's other name? Peter. Yeah. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Wow, that's pretty strong words, isn't it? And that's Peter, the the writer of Galatians, stepped up and said, "I, I got in his face. I opposed him. Why? Okay, let's read it. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. Oh, wait a minute. All of a sudden, Peter decided not to hang out with certain people and not to minister to certain people because another group of certain people thought that lesser of him. So so when, when certain men showed up, Peter acted differently. How about you? Are there people you know that cause you to act differently than what Christ has instructed you to be and do? I know I'm still meddling. My wife says I'm pretty good at that meddling stuff. There will always be people who will seek to divide those around you. In the church, I find this can be around silly things like what color the carpet is. Anybody heard one of those discussions and battles in a church? Stupidest thing I've ever heard, but it's true. It's reality. <clears throat> what did Tom Wilde always say? Oh no, it was when they built a new building. You can have whatever color carpet in the sanctuary you want, as long as it's red. That. <laughs> Am I right? Tom Wilde was her pastor growing up. (laughs) I don't get it. I don't get it. That's that's not an important thing to us. So it can be silly like that or it can be more serious things like uh, what particular doctrine you focus on. One may disagree with how much attention a certain doctrine receives over another. You know what? We have to make a choice to stand up when and where God calls us to stand up, period. Whatever the distraction or whatever the difference is. Standing for God is not always popular, but it is always the right thing to do. Okay, number six that I don't have up here, so you get to scribble in some blank lines there. Distraction. Why didn't I have that sixth D in there to begin with? I don't know. I was distracted. Yeah, probably was. And when I think of distraction and how it causes us to drift, I, when I look at the scriptures and when I think back through what I know of scriptures, I'm going, like, there's a lot of good examples of how distraction gets us to drift away. King David was distracted with his thoughts and his actions towards Bathsheba, was he not? And what did it cause? Separation from God. The disciples were distracted with trying to figure out who was his favorite, who was his greatest disciple. Let look in Luke 9 and find that story. Distraction. Anybody here ever get distracted? Anybody been distracted this week? Anybody been distracted during this service? Oh, come on, guys. You guys are not being honest. (laughs) What? Yeah, that's the answer right there. So distraction is another cause. So we've just looked at a, a, a bunch of different uh, examples, a bunch of different things that, that cause us to drift from our relationship with Christ, draw us away from who it is that Christ wants us to be. It's whether, it's whether we have a, a spiritual depth. It's whether we have, it's it's, it's that issue of, of denying Him. It's that issue of difficulties of life coming at us. It's, it's the issue of deception whether somebody else brings it to me or, or, or whether it's, it's just in my head Satan is working me overtime. It's that issue of division in the body of Christ. It happens, people. It's the issue of distraction. And we drift. And we drift. Anybody want to continue Drifting? I heard a couple mumbles out there. Does anybody want to continue drifting? No. That's what I thought. <laughs> what are the results of drifting? What are the results of drifting? When, when, when we're drifting in our spiritual walk, what, what kind of things happen to us? Here's another fill-in-the-blank for you. Loss of growth. We are meant to grow closer in our relationship with Christ, aren't we? It's absolutely impossible to grow in a relationship that you choose to neglect. Right? Husbands and wives. Can you neglect that relationship and grow? And if you don't grow and you drift... Is it happy times, or is it difficult times? You guys are quiet today. I don't know, Doug, they're quiet today. Too much toe stomping? <laughs> ah. When we settle for a lesser relationship with Christ, we will never have the kind of relationship that we are meant to have with Him. And with a lesser relationship with Christ, we lose the potential that that only can be found and developed in Christ. You each have so much more potential in Christ. So much more. Results of drifting, loss of grace. Ooh, we don't want to go there, do we? When we live at a lower level, we miss out on the higher blessings and the benefits of a, a growing relationship with Christ. There's a song that Teresa and I, we ran into this. It was on one of those discount cassette... Yelled, yeah, discount cassette. Yeah, it's... it's it happened back when many of you were in your prime, the 80s. Um, but we ran a n- not, yeah, it was it, it was a cassette. It was a cassette. Yeah, we had some of those prior to that, but cassettes. And and this song, it was, it, it, the title is "Move On Up the Mountain." And It was done by, I believe, a quartet. It was definitely that style of music, and it was kind of fun and peppy, and and we liked it. We shared it with teenagers that we worked with. They liked it, and it's it's like, this is cool. And through the years, and that group was really kind of more of a local group, so it never hit big. I don't know if they were the creator of the song or not, because nobody wants to claim that they know who wrote this song anymore. Google it, you'll find unknown. Um, but apparently back in about 2001, it came back in to, to, um, to, to gospel music through, 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 our, uh, th- through some, some black singers. Um, but it came back in, and I love it. It says, I'm going to move on up the mountain. I'm going to pull the devil down. Because he doesn't have the right to be on higher ground. Okay? Have you heard that kind of stuff here lately? I think Pastor Doug's been preaching some of that, hasn't he? Yeah. I'm going to move on up the mountain with my shield and my sword, and I will see sweet victory in the name of the Lord. I like it. And the verses, I've been down here in this valley of decision long enough. Anybody been there? Yeah, Well, I know my God is almighty. I've seen him do his stuff. And though the devil, he is mean and smart, it's time to call his bluff. And I proclaim in Jesus' name that I have had enough. <laughs> Isn't that a good song? Why did it disappear for those years? I don't know. And I went looking for it. I gave it to you that Well, I... <laughs> but the 2001 version that's both huh both versions. both versions all right the devil came to jesus and he laid it on the line he said just worship me and you can have earth kingdoms great and fine well then jesus said to satan get thee behind because the heavens and the earth you see they're already mine <laughs> isn't this good Millions are held captive by the evil enemy. There's no time to just sit back. They need to be set free. We've been promised divine protection if we walk in our Father's will. So let's lift up the royal banner and let's march on up the hill. Move on up the mountain. And you can find some really good Version singers of it out there on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> and you know something I like about this, and this is me digressing, so it's not only Doug that digresses from time to time. Ooh, shiny. <laughs> I like that it says move on up the mountain because you know what? There's times that I'm crawling. And there's times that I'm marching, and there's times that I'm walking, and there's times that I'm just barely inching it. Right? But it's moving up the mountain. I like it. Did I say I like it? I like it. (laughs) So anyway, loss of grace. Grace is the undeserved favor of God in our lives. Amen? And when we fail to live in Christ's power, we miss out on the grace moments of life. Grace moments are those times that you can look back and say, God was with me in a real way. Just as last week, it's Thanksgiving week, right? Families get together, they talk. Well, our families are all out in Indiana, so it's talk by phone. And my sister Sheila, she had tried to call on Thanksgiving. That didn't work, so we called and talked Friday. Long talk. How long was it? Probably an hour and a half, two hours. <laughs> just talked. And as she relayed to me going to the family get-together, and she relayed to me the updates on various family members and, and all that was going on, she says, I got out in the car and I just cried because of all the difficulties that were going on in lives. And she says, Eric, I'm so glad that you and I don't have all that stuff going on in our own lives. And this is my sister. She says, I don't know what, why. But then she got it. She said, maybe it's because you and I have faith. Yeah, that's that grace that sometimes you don't even realize that God is is protecting you and providing for you and taking care of you and loving on you. Sometimes you don't even realize the things that could have happened in your life because, you know, we humans, we like to focus on the bad things that did happen. (laughs) But she saw that and she said, you know, maybe it's because of God. It's because of God. It's not a maybe, that is. All right, another result of drifting. Oops, don't go that direction. Loss of godliness. When we strive to become like Jesus, it shows in our spiritual disciplines. We, 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 we choose to, to live by these and when we are not striving for more, we tend to walk away from the essential spiritual disciplines. Daily time with God in prayer. And you're going like, well, you know, sometimes. People, it's essential. Daily time in God's word and specific times of reflection. Essential. Seasons of, of fasting for greater spiritual growth. It's essential. I don't know about fasting. You need to learn about it. Seeking genuine times of praise and worship. It's essential. Moving from talking about serving God to walking the talk with God. It's essential. Sensing a burden, a a deep concern for those who are lost. It's essential. And these are easily drifted away from. Been there, done that. Been there, done that. Don't want to do it again. Don't want to go there. But the potential to drift is always upon us. We need to utilize some tools to to stay focused, to keep from drifting. Let's take a quick look at some good tools for us. What do we do about drifting? More fill-in-the-blanks. You got them. Recognize. We will never be able to embrace the change God has in store for our lives until we recognize our personal need. I need to recognize that I need it. I need to recognize that I've drifted or that I'm in the process of looking towards drifting. There there will never be a greater movement of God in your life if you are satisfied where, where you are right now. How many of you here this morning need and desire a closer walk with God right now? I hope you all do. Remember, we must remember the key to a deep relationship with Christ is the issue of actual closeness, not just feeling close. All right. This can be a hard one to understand. You may be close to Christ but not feel like you are, or you may be drifting and still feel like you're close to Him. And sometimes it's hard not to depend on those emotions, isn't it? Okay, I, I feel okay. Well, guess who's been over here whispering in my ear that, hey, you're okay, you can do that. Satan. Okay, you you feel, I mean, it's okay. Never base your relationship with Christ on the way you feel because feelings are fickle. They will betray you. I'm hearing some mm umms. I ought to hear some loud amens. Uh Thank you. People and Satan can say things and do things for us that make us feel good when reality is that we're in a very unsafe position. If you can remember a time in your life when you were closer to Christ than you are right now, you need to get back to that place and move on up the mountain. Remember where you were? Remember what Jesus has done for you? Remember when you you knew his presence and you knew his power? And you, yeah, that was a good time, man. I remember that. That was need to get back there and move on up the mountain. We also need to repent. If there was a time when you were closer to Jesus that made that that made that a, a, what made that a reality, what was it? if, if you were closer to Jesus, what made that a reality? Nine out of ten times our relationship with Christ drifts when we neglect those spiritual disciplines such as prayer and reading the scripture and, and worshiping and, and spending time with his people. And, 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 and Repent means to turn away from, right? Turn away from your neglect of your relationship with Jesus. This one's very near to it. But you know what? It was another R, so I had to throw it in here. Return. You're supposed to laugh at that. <laughs> return. Well, repent and return, they, they just tie together. Return to the practices that helped you to grow and develop as a Christian. Return to your d- daily devotions. Return to your closer walk with Christ. Return to where you belong. Where you belong? Five, revival. When we make the effort to get back to God, he will bring an inner revival to our souls. When you strive to be more like Jesus, he will bring a greater love into your life. When you seek more of the Holy Spirit, he will fan the flames of faith within your heart. A few years ago, a freighter sailing from Great Britain to the coast of France was experiencing engine problems. And in fact, the engines had completely failed. They were done. Just off the French coast, and the ship was beginning to drift at sea. They were drifting. And the problem was that the tides were pulling the ship to the coast in a rocky shoreline that would inevitably cause the ship to crash. And there was, uh, this crash was going to cause the loss of cargo, the loss of life, and even the loss of the entire ship. Drifting. And the cause of this situation was neglect of proper care of the engines. The reason the engine shut down was due to a lack of lubricant. In other words, those in charge forgot to check the oil and they let it run out. We need the oil of the Holy Spirit. Amen. When you neglect your spiritual walk for even a short time, you begin to drift away from God. Today, if you're not as close to Jesus as you have been or know that you should be, make things right. Quit drifting. Stop the drifting and and, and draw closer to Jesus. Stop drifting and decide now to come back to that relationship that you've been missing. Stop drifting and, and develop the intimacy that you long for that you were created for that intimacy with Christ he is our anchor and with an anchor what happens to drifting it goes away the anchor that's the answer you see that's how drifting ceases is to be anchored amen church of Ephesus in Revelation there was a writing that was specifically to them beautiful writing about how they did good things, right things and yet it closes with a couple verses that are kind of difficult Revelation 2, 4 and I'm just going to read the first half of verse 5 Nevertheless, and this is after all these, hey, you've done this well, and you've done this well, and you've done this well, you've been good. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. They drifted. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. That's what I'm, I'm saying we need to be doing. The first works. Remember that first love of Christ? Remember the excitement of salvation? I hope for you, you can say, Oh, yeah, I remember that. That's where we need to return to and move on up the mountain. Let's bow our heads. Guys, if you hit some music a little bit, keys. Yeah. You're, you're it <laughs> I don't know where they went <laughs> yeah this morning I want you to spend some time evaluating saying okay Lord where am I in this am I adrift how far have I drifted what's been the cause what damage has been caused by that but Lord Talk to me mostly about how I can return to my first love. Talk to me mostly about how I can move on up the mountain. Bow your heads. Spend some time talking with God about your drifting. To him about your love for him. Reflect back to him the memories of those great times further up the mountain, and now claim. the power of Jesus to return to that mountain to to, to get on up it to stop the drifting to hold on to the, the, the reality of what causes drifting so that you can check yourself in the future and say oh wait a minute That's one of those tools that Satan uses in my life. It's time to commit, time to draw close, time to return our first love. Heavenly Father, this morning, as we've taken a look at something that happens so casually, so easily in our lives, this drifting away from you and away from your son, Jesus, Father, we ask forgiveness and we ask for restoration. Father, it is our desire to be who you created us to be. To be the warriors that step up in battle even when the giant is so big. If it's it's you who says go against that giant, Father, we believe you and we go in faith and we tackle it. We bring it down. We defeat it. Father, there's many different versions of what those giants look like in our lives. And Father, I pray for each person here that their giant will be defeated this day by faith. Father, we love you. Oh, how we love you. And we want to live and walk as you have asked us and called us to. Help us this day. If we need to be spending more time talking to you each day, bring that to our mind. Help us to set up a pattern of this. If we need to spend more time in your word, help us to set up a pattern in this. And this I pray in the precious holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen.